Hey, everybody. Okay. Huh? All right. I'll just talk to myself. That's all right. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird, isn't it? It's a whole nother year. I have to remember to write the date different and stuff like that. There's so much going on. I just heard some news, and I'm going to tell you what it is, because as you may have noticed, there's a lot of pregnant people around here. <laughs> but there's one less pregnant person around here because Miles Hafer uh, was born, I guess, Friday. So congratulations to the Hafers. Hans, Danae, wherever you guys are, probably at home, I would think, I would hope. Um, congratulations. Uh, we're so excited, so excited to have a, a new, new person, a new person in the nursery, all the way. Also, if anyone would like to serve in the nursery, <laughs> just, just bring that up. <laughs> it's going to be growing, and it's, it's going to be growing even further because there are some others. There are others, babies gestating. Okay, that's a weird thing to talk about. I'm going to move on. This is my New Year's resolution. I'm going to move on from that. Uh, who else has a resolution? Anyone else? Anyone else besides talking about people? Okay, yeah. Anyone have a resolu resolution? No one? You guys don't want to share it. You guys do. I know you do. You don't want to share it. That's okay. I'm not going to make you share it. Uh, love more in 2024? It rhymes. I love that. That's beautiful. I like that. I, I can remember that. Uh, that's a good, good thing. Um, personally, never really been a resolution guy. Um, no judgment for those who are. I actually encourage it. It's, it's a good idea. I just can't get my head around them. I, I can't get my head around a lot of things. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of strange like that. Um, but, but there's something about this time of year. There's something about this time of year where, where things are new and we're moving into to like just a... <laughs> feels like sort of an arbitrary, made-up thing, like into a new year, but, but there's something about it. For whatever reason, when we come into a new year, we all feel that sense that something should change, right? I, I think as we reflect and as we realize, oh, time is continually moving on, we think, man, we, we should change. You've probably heard like the slogan, like, new year, new you. <laughs> and so I, I hope not too cynically named this sermon, new year, new you, question mark? Um, I don't love resolutions, I think because I've been disappointed in the past um, by this whole, like, I'm going to be a new person, I'm going to change, I'm going to be different, um, and it gets discouraging, you know, setting out to be a new you and then finding out that maybe I'm actually the same me I was last year. Darn it. I was hoping I could be new. And, and I think it can be discouraging where, where the thing that you're hoping to achieve last year in December remains difficult in January. Right now, if you're about to, you know, be ready to give up on your resolution and go eat a bunch of cake or cancel your gym membership or whatever, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I, I don't want to discourage you from it because I do think there is hope. I do think people can change. I do think change is actually really possible. You can change. I think that's very clear in the Bible. If I were pressed to sum up what is the biblical narrative about in one word. What's, what's the, the point of it? I would probably say it's a, it's a story about renewal. It, it, it is framing reality. It's a presentation of what God is doing in the world. And what is he doing? He's renewing things. He's making all things new. The message of the Bible is that through Jesus Christ, God is renewing and saving people. He's renewing and saving the world. He's redeeming and restoring things. He's making them new. And we see that kind of final Final purpose, final goal, final um, 
reality that God is, is, is doing this vividly portrayed at the end of the book of Revelation. If you don't know, the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and it's this vision that John, the same guy who wrote John's gospel, right? John wrote the book of Revelation, and he has this vision from an angel, and it's revealing heavenly things. And at the end of the book of Revelation, he sort of sees really the final wrapping up of history. And this is what he, he sees. It's one of my favorite passages. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was gone. I also saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I make everything new. And he also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. Can we just pray for a second? Uh, Lord, let these words just sink down into our hearts. Lord. Like we, we want to, as we move out into a new year, Lord, have a clear picture of what you're doing. And we get so distracted and so um, consumed with other things, Lord, Lord, but you are at work in the world. You're at work all around us. You are renewing all things. You're renewing us by the power of your spirit. Lord, we just want to, we just want to welcome your work in our lives, where we want to approach you uh, eagerly and hopefully and with faith. Lord, we want to see you do great things within us this year. So, Lord, renew us. Teach us how to change. Teach us how to, to become people who worship you, who seek you, Lord, who are empowered by your spirit. Lord, teach us to lay hold of all that you have laid hold on our behalf. Would Jesus have your way in us this year? See, what John is shown here is this picture of how, where the world is heading, what God is doing. He is about to bring about, he's going to bring about this final restoration, this renewal of heaven and earth. It's about the renewal of all peoples, all places, and it's about, about him coming down and restoring the world. And in this final, and this final renewal is something uh, that those who have trusted Jesus, this is the great news, it's, it's something that we, if, if you've trusted in Jesus, like you're now a part of. You're like in, in, take, taking on and, and stepping into this reality, this thing that God is doing even in this moment. At the end of all things, God is not just going to erase the world or destroy it or, or, or destroy people. What he's doing, he's going to make it new and he's starting that work right now. When, when, you, when you trusted in Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, then you have like new life by the Spirit. You have spiritual life. That's the point. Like you are starting to enjoy this kind of connection with God, this restored life with God, and it's leading to change and transformation and renewal. So it would be theological malpractice for me to discourage you from the hope that you can or could be different this year. You can. You can be made new by Jesus. He can transform you even now. He loves to do that. That is his whole MO in the world. 
Redemption, salvation, restoration. I think uh, N.T. Wright, the theologian, he makes a really interesting observation about this passage. He says this, the closing scene in the Bible, again, this Revelation 21, this, this kind of final picture of what's going on, the closing scene in the Bible is not a vision of human beings going up to heaven, as is so much popular imagination, or even of Jesus himself coming down to earth, but of the new Jerusalem itself coming down from heaven to earth. At first sight, this is a bit of a shock. Surely the new Jerusalem, the bride of the Lamb, consists of the people of God, and surely those people are on earth already. How can they have been in heaven as well? The clue here is that, as Paul says in Colossians 3.3, our life is hidden with the Messiah in God. When somebody belongs to the Messiah, to Jesus, they continue with their life on earth, but they have a secret life as well, a fresh gift from God, which becomes part of the hidden reality that will be revealed in the last day. This is the heavenly reality which corresponds to the apparently weak and feeble praise of the church on earth, and one day this heavenly reality will be revealed. uh, revealed as the true partner of the Lamb, now transformed Cinderella-like from slave girl to bride. What N.T. Wright is suggesting, and I I think he's he's getting the right right idea here, is that this picture, this vision of of renewal that John sees at the the end of the book of Revelation is a depiction of, of a heavenly reality. And that is a reality that those who are in Christ are right now participating in this kind of secret life with God. And at the end of all things, that's going to be revealed. The church is right now, like you are right now, if you have spiritual life, you are partaking in this kind of hidden life of worshiping God. You are, are, when you praise God, when when you put your faith in Him, when you live by faith in Him, You are just like in the heavenly places, participating in this exaltation of God. And in the end, like you you are going to be there with the Lord. It's going to be revealed on the last day that you have this life with God. You have this kind of simultaneity going on. You have the life that you live on earth, but if you have been made spiritually alive in Christ, you are right now participating in this thing that will be revealed in the last day. If you're in Christ... You have a life, you have an identity, you have a reality that you are living in, which is just spiritual. And it is, hear me out what I'm about to say, because I don't want you to misunderstand this. It's easy to misunderstand. I would argue, and I will argue, it is more real and more ultimate than the life, the physical life that you have in this world, this life that's going to pass away, the spiritual life that you have. The biblical idea is that it's the more real thing. Though it is hidden, which is a bit of a conundrum. I um, got together with some friends recently, you know, kind of 30 and 40-year-old people like myself. Um, And uh, some kids were playing with some VR goggles, you know, the ones you put on, you play the games and stuff like that. It's a kid's toy. But, of course, the adults wanted to give it a try just because, you know, that would be fun, right? And, and the best part about it, okay, so it's like basically what we did is we played like you get laser swords, lightsabers, right, laser swords, right? And you basically play Dance Dance Revolution with your arms with the laser swords, right? So you have to like do the movements to the beat, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's awesome. And um, I know I just did that in person, but uh, I'm trying not to think about it. I'm trying to think about it. And the, the funniest part of it, like, is like one, the game is really, really fun. 
I'm not, this is not, I'm not for sale in the back or anything like that. Uh, the game is really, really fun. Um, but the best part was watching other adults put on some goggles and then very, I think, kind of dangerously, like, just, like, dancing and going, like, crazy. And, like, like oh, oh! And then, of course, you're looking at it. You don't have the goggles on, and you're like, what is this person up to? Um, <laughs> see, for the person with the goggles on, that is their reality. And yet everyone else is looking at them and saying, this is amazing, <laughs> and it's hilarious. But because you have these things on, and because it's so immersive, you're able to sort of forget about the fact that you look kind of dumb, <laughs> right? And the fact that, like, actually, this is sort of dangerous, and you might trip over something, right? And there's, like, dogs running around, and it's really fun. <laughs> you don't see the dogs. Um, the point is this, is that when I put those goggles on, you're like, you're like in two places at once. I'm physically where I'm at, but I'm so immersed in and consumed by this other reality that I just sort of forget what's going on. I think what, what, what Paul tells us to do uh, throughout, the, throughout, the, throughout the, the, the um, epistles, right, throughout his letters, and what, what kind of, what, what the whole, like, way of approaching spirituality, it, it's similar, okay? So I, I want to I tell you what Paul said. He said this in Colossians 3. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, right, so if you have this, this new life, this new spiritual life with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I really encourage you to go back a little bit later. If you read, can read the book of Colossians this week, if you have some time. It's not that long. It's like, I don't know. It'd take you 20 minutes. Um, it's, it's just an absolutely great book to think about during the new year, I think. Because Paul's concern is how do we, as people who are following Jesus, how do we go about really making changes? How do we pursue this relationship with God in the right way, in what Paul would say, in, in a spiritual way? Because Paul's concern was that, that Christians might kind of aim too low. Like, they might not have their eyes fixed upon the new immersive spiritual reality that's going to be revealed in the last days. This new life that we have with Christ, that instead we would try to take off the goggles and try to manage things this way. You know, old video games are fun when you're looking on a TV, but they're not nearly as immersive. And what Paul is, I think, encouraging the church to do is to get their eyes fixed on what's really real. Something more ultimate and something more true that is hidden and easily missed. But his, his call to the church over and over again in Colossians and in other books as well is to get their eyes focused on Christ. Get their eyes focused on the real thing, the real truth, the real thing that was really going on. Their life that is hidden with Christ in God. His point is that if you're going to change, then you change that way. You change by getting your eyes on the true things. You don't want to, and, and you know, this concern was that the Christians might have aimed too low. That in the midst of all the busyness and demanding uh, like lives that they were living, they might neglect their spiritual lives, their life with God, and in the end, settle for change that's merely surface level. And the proposition, 
I think at the heart of the Bible is that if we really want to change, we can change in our spirits. We can have a spiritual transformation, which actually will then lead to transformation in our day-to-day lives. He says a little bit earlier in the book of Colossians what he's aiming for. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. I think it's easy for us to kind of miss what Paul's saying here or to be frustrated with it, right? Because even some of the things that I've been saying here, here's the frustration of everything that I just said over the last 10 minutes that you you may have or maybe you've experienced. I, I know lots of people would be frustrated. It's that Christianity is oftentimes criticized for being kind of pie in the sky, like you ever heard the phrase, uh, too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly good? All right? Sometimes Christians are, told, are, 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 are criticized for that. Because when we talk about renewal in the spiritual life, we don't really understand what that has to do with my real life, right? I don't think, though, that what Paul is telling people is to neglect the, li- the life that they have in this world. What he's actually saying, if you want life transformation, if you want your life to be different, then you start to pursue it in the spiritual realm, and then it overflows into your real life. That's what he says right here. He says, you know, if you, as you've received Christ Jesus, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up and established in faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Maybe some of you have set up this new year to be more grateful. And that's like a hard thing to just do. It's hard to just decide, oh, I'm, I'm going to be more grateful. Maybe I have a gratitude journal, and that's not, I'm not criticizing that practice. I think it's good. But at least what, what Paul seems to be presenting is that, is that we can do certain things. We can transform our hearts. We can enjoy um, a changed life and a changed way of going through our life as we pursue spiritual things and put them first. As we pursue those things and grow in those things, they overflow into my day-to-day experience. There is a strong connection between spiritual things and the everyday stuff of life. It's easy to go through, enough for me to go through and make a resolution and decide that, well, I'm going to get in shape. I mean, I have not made that resolution, but right, I could. I could make that resolution. I could decide that I'm, I'm going to get in shape. Um, And I know that when I set about to effect that kind of a change, that there are things that I can do to make that happen, right? And like, I mean, I think around this time, the typical ones are, you know, go to the gym at some kind of a regular interval, I guess, more than once a year. Like, just (laughs) go more than once a year. That would be more than I went last year, (laughs) um, right? I can watch what I eat, you know, if I wanted to get in shape, I could watch what I eat. I could take some vitamins, you know, I could do, do healthy things, right? There are lots of things that I can do to make that change, and they're, and they're really practical things, right? I know that I can affect change, at least to a degree, in, in my normal life, in my, in my practical life. But the reality is, in my experience of trying, to have, trying and have, having failed to do things like this in the past, 
that the greatest obstacle to me getting in shape is not my lack of strategies or knowledge about how to do it. It's my lack of character and willpower. That's the problem. And that's the thing about change. Most of us can just sit out and say, okay, I'm going to make some change in our lives. But usually if, when our, our efforts will fail because we lack some kind of internal strength. Can I tell you, that's a spiritual problem. These sorts of things can be dealt with with spiritual uh, correction. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 5 about what happens when we entrust our lives to the, to the Spirit and when the Lord is working in us. He says this, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that will come as we seek, seek the Lord, worship Him, like devote our, our lives to faith and, and to surrender to the Spirit of this, through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, maybe not all of those would be things that would help me really get into shape, but certainly things like self-control, patience, faithfulness, these are, these are the things that I lack. I don't have the internal strength to make change on my own. But what I think we're invited into is as we entrust ourselves to Jesus, we are in, invited to have this transformation that takes place from inside out. And it empowers us to be able to change. The call of the Christian is Christ-likeness. It's not just to go to church. It's not just to give money. You know, it's not like, like the things that we tend to associate with, with, our, with our expression of our faith. Like what we're called to is to be Christ-like. What we're called to is have his character working out in our lives. And the thing is that those things happen as we set our minds upon his work as we do this stuff of, of seeking him above all else, of, of continuing to walk in him, being rooted and built up and established in him, there can be transformation, and it's entirely practical. It leads to an enabling and an ability to, 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 to make and effect change because I have this transformation going on inside of me. So here's my invitation to you as we come into the new year. First... I just want you to understand you are invited to change, that God is in the renewal business. He's in the transforming, renewing, equipping business. You are invited to a renewed life in Christ. In my experience of my own uh, Christian walk, you know, I don't know, that's, that's weird Christian language, right? Of trying to follow Jesus... I find that the deficiency is usually on me. Like, like, God is always faithful. He really wants to do a lot in my life. And a lot of times, stuff doesn't happen because I'm not really willing to pursue Him, to do this work of being rooted and grounded and built up in Him. But I would just love to, this year, I would like to resolve, and I'd like to encourage you to resolve, to understand that you are invited into a renewed life in Christ. There's that end of, of Colossians 2.7. I think I have, yeah, the next slide there, uh, Sky. Paul calls us. He says, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude, right? We, we've already looked at this. You say, well, but look at the, I, I, I emphasize some of these uh, verses here. He says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Look at, 
This whole following Jesus starts here. You receive Christ Jesus as Lord. You want change, you want transformation, you want renewal. Like, we have to understand what this looks like. According to, to like, the biblical strategy for how people change, it's that we start to come in and we start to receive him as Lord. That's where it all begins, right? Like, it begins with this understanding that Jesus is offering you something, and you, if, to the degree to which you're part of it, you are there like as a recipient of that thing. And, and, and what we, we see clearly throughout the scriptures is that the thing that's given to us is forgiveness, it's adoption, it's his spirit. Sometimes theologians have called this the exchanged life, in that Christ gives you his life and he gives you his spirit, and he puts a new heart in you, and he takes from you your sin. He takes from you your failure. He takes from you your weakness, and he removes those things from from you, and he gives you all the empowering of his spirit that you could ever want. The point of that, though, and what I really want to emphasize, is that I don't come into a relationship with Jesus like because I'm really good at following Jesus. Like, you begin this relationship with Jesus simply because you receive what he's done for you. Jesus Christ came, took on flesh, lived this perfect life, died on a cross, so that we all could know that we are welcome into a life with God, not because we're so great or because we're so smart or that we deserve it or could ever earn such a gift, but simply because he is a good gracious, kind God who wants to invite us into a life with Him on the basis of His faithfulness, His promises, His work. And so, like, we have to start with that place to understand that anything, any type of transforming work that God's going to do in me just starts with the Christian word that we use is grace. Grace being just undeserved kindness from God. Bought and paid for, and given by his initiative, not by mine. So we receive. We need to understand that. And that second thing is that we need to understand that that receiving from him is like the pattern for all Christian life going forward. That was what Paul was really trying to correct here in the book of Colossians, right? Because what he was saying, what he was seeing is that people were, oh, okay, I'm saved, like I have this life with God. And then they were like, now in in my strength, I'm going to continue on. But what he says, I have the, can I get the next slide there? Yeah, thank you. Uh, he says, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, so just as, as in, in the same manner, in the same way that you received him as Lord, as in it wasn't you, it wasn't your strength, it wasn't how impressive you were, it wasn't your accomplishment that got that for you, it was just simply you opened your hands and God gave you a good gift. He says, in that same manner, in that same way, continue to walk in him. It's the hard thing about the spiritual life is we suddenly like, like get this good news, the proclamation of the gospel that God loves us, he cares for us, he's going to like make a way, he's going to empower us, he's going he's gonna to like transform our lives, and we think, hey, this is great, I want this, and then we get this gift, and then we say, okay, God, I've got it from here, now I'm going to go off and, and really do something with this. What, what Paul says here, and then I, I think particularly in the book of Galatians, he says, look, no, the Spirit is doing this work within you, and you did it just by receiving, 
just by receiving his love and his grace and his kindness, opening your hands to it, opening your mind to it, however you want to think about that, you received that. If you want to continue on in it, then you just continue on in that pattern. You need strength? Then receive it. You need life, you need renewal, you need transformation, then come to Jesus, come to this hidden life that you have with God, and continue on in this pattern of receiving. Stop trying to do it on your own, in your own strength. You don't have that strength. The strength that you have is just something that comes from outside of you, from Him, continually, forever. God renews the world. This picture we have in Revelation 21, God is renewing the world by His presence. He's coming down. He's being with it. He doesn't say, all right, I fixed it, I'm out of here. He says, no, I fixed it, and I'm now dwelling with men, continually being the source, continually being the one through whom will flow blessing and kindness and grace. We can never abandon this receiving posture. And so the continuing to walk with Jesus is continuing to be in this place where we understand without the constant inflow of his love and work and kindness, I have nothing. Uh, we had a prayer night the other night, and like I was just like, just like praying, and it was like, it was like a really good prayer and worship night. By the way, we do those first Thursday of every month. There were like 11 people here. It's not, that's like not an awkward amount of people. That's a good number of people, you know? <laughs> uh, and we worshiped and we prayed together. Um, and I don't know, I just, this thought occurred to me of like, like grace is like, um, Remember how we used to have uh, Sundays at the bounce house place, right? You know what a bounce house looks like, right? And the thing is, I've set a lot, up a lot of bounce houses in my day because I'm a very experienced man. Um, and the thing about a bounce house is, like, um, you, you have the big plastic thing, right, that has just the one little hole at the end, and then you attach this fan to it, and you turn the fan on, and suddenly it just goes... Right? And then kids bounce on it, like that. Is my belly showing? That's what I was just checking. Okay, I don't think so. I keep my arms down like this. <laughs> okay, so um, then you'll be like, you really should get in shape. You really should. <laughs> I don't want that resolution. Don't, don't put that on me. Um, so, so you're like, you know, kids are bouncing on it, right? Okay, kids are bouncing on it. But if you turn off the fan, what happens with the bounce house is this. Is it's, it takes about 10 minutes, but it slowly goes... And then it's just like a blob on the floor, which I'm not going to do because then I'll have to get up and it'll hurt. Um, right? And so, so like the, the, the minute you turn off this, this flowing in, like the thing loses all its integrity. Like it needs to constantly be receiving this wind, this air pressure coming in and giving it uh, shape. And if it doesn't have that, it just immediately just it plops down and it becomes nothing. Just as it has received the wind coming in, giving it strength, it needs to, if it wants to continue to be a bounce house, continue to have that stuff coming in. And we need to get this right. We need to think about what makes her our integrity as Christians. It's the continual flow of the grace and kindness of God. the integrity that I could have, the best kind of integrity, the integrity that I'm actually made for is one that is continued by dependence upon him that will never end eternally in the heavens forever. That's the end vision. Like it's not, oh, Jesus comes and he fixes everything and just says, all right, I'm going to Arby's 
I'm done here. He's there, present, constantly. That's how everything gets fixed. And so you want transformation, you want renewal right now. Continual, eternal dependence on God is it. There's not like some other strength that you could have so that you no longer need that. The strength, the real, eternal, lasting, good, planned strength of people is continual dependence on God always and forever. And so, to walk with Jesus means continuing on in that pattern of receiving. Um, as I wrap up here, oh yeah, I'm all right. Uh, worship team can come up here, but I want to I want to invite you guys into something. Like this is a new year, and maybe you have new habits. New new like the thing is like habits are good. There's this uh, little phrase, and we talked about it before: uh, spiritual disciplines. Right? Spiritual disciplines are things that we can do that can affect change that we can't do by direct impact. Right? So I don't know. I, I cannot in my own strength, simply decide to trust God more. I don't have that ability. But what we see, according to the biblical pattern, is that what we can do is enact and live out a faith of walking with Jesus and pursuing this filling, this strengthening, this gracious kindness of God. We can do things to basically open ourselves up to that, to his work, to his transforming thing, his transforming work within us. And, and you've probably known, if, if you've been here before, we kind of talk about these like becoming habits, and we're going to talk about them so much more. You're going to start, you're gonna, I'm going to start to get really annoying about it. I kind of backed off for a couple months just to give you a little bit of time, but I'm going to get really annoying about it coming up here. So, um, so we have these like six things. They're on the sign out in the lobby. These six things that I'm just encouraging you guys to do because these are the sorts of things I believe that if you were to simply start to do this, they're the sorts of things that are going to move you towards this kind of life of being constantly filled this life of faith, this life of dependence upon God. And the most important one by far is the fifth one, which is meet with God, right? Which is the, the challenge, the call, is that we would all develop the habit of, of, of meeting with God every single day. Sometimes You could call that praying every single day. That's fine. That is exactly what it means, right? But you know what? Sometimes people have like wrong ideas about what prayer is, so I call it just meeting with God. The important thing is that you, every single day, spend some time together with God where you are just receiving from Him and, and living in this kind of like putting the goggles on, right? Living the life where He's present with you and where you're seeking Him and you're enjoying Him for all that He has, okay? So, what I want to do, though, is it, the reality is this is very hard. I was sitting with a friend uh, for lunch this week, and uh, he was saying, you know, like, I know I want to pray. I know I want to do this every day. I am fully sold on the idea that this is a must for me to continue on in my spiritual life. I just can't. I just can't do it. It's just a difficult habit to form. And so what I want us to do is together, I want to work and to create a way for us to break through the difficulty of, of developing this habit together. So, here's what I'm doing. I've got a QR code there. 
If you want to sign, sign up for this, and I'm going to explain to you what it is, scan this QR code, and it's, like, it's like just like a couple lines. Um, but what I want to do is for 28 days, they say psychologically, or at least they did 15 years ago, maybe this isn't true anymore, but it takes 28 days to form a habit. If you do something consistently for 28 days, you're, you're, you're past the, the major obstacles to habit formation. And what I want us to do is together, I want us to do this thing where we are going to keep each other accountable to, to meet with God so that we can develop this habit of constant dependence upon him, okay? And so if you sign up for here, I'm just going to have you like give me your email address and stuff like that. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a Marco Polo group, which is an app on the internet. And, you know, if that, just, if that sounds hard, I'll, I'll help walk you through that. It's fine. Um, but basically, Marco Polo is this, like, video messaging thing where you get in a group, and then everybody can write a, send a message to each other, like, take a little video, um, and then everybody in the group gets it. And what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you every day from January 10th to February 17th, which is this Wednesday, to Wednesday four weeks from now, um, to just get on the group and say, tell, tell us about your time with God that day. Um, and then, like, we're going to encourage each other, all of those who are, who are doing this, to do this. And if you don't check in for two days, I'm going to call you. I'm going to knock on your door. I'm going to do something really annoying, right, to help you. <laughs> <laughs> to help you develop this habit because it's really hard. And honestly, like, like I think most of us like know we want to pray. We know we want to be with God. We really just need somebody to hold us a little bit accountable. And this is an opportunity for that. I'm not, I, I hope, like, I'm not, like, I, I don't think I'm an overbearing jerk. If I am, please tell me. Um, so I'm not going to be rude or mean or shame you. What I want you to understand is that we have an opportunity to go deep with the Lord. And the thing about New Year's resolutions, right, is that we so ten tend to want to just, like, go wide with everything. But the, but the call for us in our spiritual lives is to go deep. It's to go deep. It's to understand, man, like, actually everything is just in this simple thing of just trusting the Lord. And so many of us, I think, are stuck in our progress, in our sense of, like, oh, I just want to be near with God because, and it's not exclusively this, but because we aren't praying. Prayerlessness is just a recipe for staying the same. And so I just want to invite you, if you'd like to have some help to grow and be encouraged uh, to, to, to spend time meeting with God every day, to, to do this, to scan this QR code, and I'll send it out in an email too, um, and to encourage, to join us in, in, in encouraging each other and encouraging you to, uh, to grow into this discipline of prayer. And I'll just be the first person to say, I need this. I need this so much. When I don't pray, and there are times when I don't, just the air comes out of my life. And I, and I know a lot about the Bible. I know a lot about what I should do, <laughs> right? I know. It's, it's like, it's not, it's, it, the problem isn't that I don't know enough. The problem isn't that I don't have a good strategy. The problem is that I am not always following through on these habits which are leading me to this place of being filled with, with the Spirit. That's my problem. I realize there are other problems in the spiritual life. That's not everything. But I think that about 80% of us, that's generally our biggest struggle. And so, like, guys, you want to be a new you? You want to have, like, a renewed kind of spiritual life, a new vitality? Can I just invite you to take this challenge and just learn to pray every single day? 
It's not as hard as we might think. I'm just talking about a little bit of time together and where we can encourage one another. So that's my invitation. Um, we're going to worship together. Let me just, let me just pray as, as uh, we head out. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, you know, who are we? <laughs> who are we, Lord? Uh, I think oftentimes we like, like have trouble just like thinking that there could be this kind of closeness and this kind of just like awesome experience of your goodness and your kindness. Because uh, who are we to deserve those sorts of things? And the reality is, is Lord, we're, we're nobodies. Jesus, you have bought us. And not like anyone else was, was bidding for us, Lord. <laughs> like we were just kind of cast off, God. But you have adopted us. And you called us to life and dependence and hope in you. Lord, fill us with your hope. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, teach us to pursue you and to open ourselves up to your constant grace and kindness. Lord, give us the vision to see what you want to do and to pursue it this year. Lord, to pursue renewal, but renewal that comes from you and is done by you. Lord, to pursue uh, spiritual things, Lord, where we just want to see what you're up to so vividly and so clearly, Lord. So teach us to do that, Lord. Make us a church who prays, Lord. Lord, if we could be known by anything, we want that. We want to be people who walk with you, who pray, who seek your face above all things, Lord. Teach us to be those sorts of people. Amen. All right, hey, let's just stand up. Let's worship the Lord together.